brought in the Badlands. Explain those Badlands. That's a hell of a name. It's become increasingly clear that the amount of heavy metals, microplastics, and other toxins we're exposed to has only increased. That's why we want to highlight the importance of pine needles for our health. We've been talking about Ascent Nutrition over several months and want to spotlight their pine needle extract due to the important compounds in it and the effects that so many people are having. As you can see with the testimonies, many people have been using our pine needle extract for months and feel more energy, have greater mental focus, and some people haven't been sick in over a year while using it. The taste is incredible, and instead of needing to make a tea out of pine needles, you can get the benefits in this potent extract form. Prioritize your health. Head over to badlandsmedia.tv forward slash ascent and use promo code BADLANDS to save 10% off their pine needle extract and all of their products from Ascent Nutrition. That's badlandsmedia.tv forward slash ascent, promo code BADLANDS at checkout. Welcome to Knowledge Base, everybody. Episode 64, we're going to be talking about remote viewing. We're going to be debunking some myths. We're going to talk about the CIA and all the work they did with it. We're even going to talk about how we each have the capacity for remote viewing and how the religious community, in a lot of respects, has had themselves weaponized against it to their own detriment. So how's it going, Jordan? Going fantastic. Yeah, not only are we going to debunk some myths, but also talk about the potentialities, if that's even a word, remote viewing. That's one of the things that always fascinated me with remote viewing when I first came across it 10, 11 years ago, is just the abilities of our consciousness, the abilities of the human mind that we are misled about and essentially lied to about by the mainstream science establishment. But as we'll talk about tonight, there are folks within the military industrial complex who take this topic very, very seriously. And they've done projects on it. They've done research on it. So I feel that, you know, as is, as with most of the incredible stuff that is occulted or hidden by the establishment, by the powers that be, we can use that occulted information, take it back for our own power. We can take back our power. And in this case, the power of our human consciousness. Yeah, that's right. Where, where should we begin with this? It's a pretty complex topic. Super complex topic. I mean, I guess we can just dive into what is remote viewing and how exactly it works. You know, for the past couple of months in this show, we've been talking about some alternative physics theories like the uh, reciprocal systems theory from Dewey B. Larson. If you guys in the chat remember the show we were doing on that. And we were talking essentially how there's two aspects of existence, kind of like yin and yang, that we all exist in at the exact same time. We have this space-time reality or the material world with matter. And then we have the space-time construct where material that's faster than light propagates. And that is really un unaccessible to our vision, unaccessible to our senses, unaccessible to a lot of scientific instrumentation. But that's the realm of consciousness. That's the realm of metaphysics. That's the cosmic sector, as Dewey B. Larson called it. And when I think of remote viewing and ESP, extrasensory perception in general, I think it lives in that cosmic sector. It lives in that time-space realm, which is why 
it's so mystical and mysterious and can be somewhat confusing because us as we little reductionist humans here, we have a very tough time trying to understand it, at least through a mainstream materialistic science perspective. We have a tough time trying to understand these sorts of uh, mystical sorts of things. But yeah, uh, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more when it comes to the, the reciprocal systems theory, Dewey B. Larson material. Um, it fits so much of what they talk about, like you said, in the cosmic sector, the time-space realm. And I, I want to emphasize something because this is one of these topics where there's so much propaganda around it that I think the best way to look at this stuff is substantively. So, you know, when we talk about remote viewing, we're not talking about using Ouija boards. We're not talking about praying to Satan or anything like that. We're not talking about the Hollywood version that of like men that stare at goats or anything like that. We're simply talking about the natural ability of your mind and your beingness that God gave us to draw information out of the universe. And if anybody's ever been in a relationship with somebody where, you know, you are completing each other's sentences, where you're you're thinking the same thoughts and kind of like along the same path and you haven't even really said anything, which I'm in a relationship like that. Almost every friendship I've had is kind of it gets like to that to that point because, you know, we have a lot of fellowship together then you are experiencing the substance of what remote viewing is. And I highly doubt that, um, you know, the, these things that unfortunately some aspects of the religious community labels as satanic is something that God didn't want us to have. I would, I would even go as far as to say that what people call prophetic contact. So if you look in scripture and you look at all the different prophets and all the things, the dreams, the visions they had, all that kind of stuff, which you have a lot of in the Old Testament, you're basically they're describing at a substantive level remote viewing. Now, from that, you can drive all sorts of really cool inferences that we'll get into. Um, I mean, right now, I guess uh, there was a lot of science that was done with the geomagnetic field and electromagnetic fields that we'll talk about in a little bit with uh, a man named Dr. Michael Persinger and Ingo Swan. And what they were able to discover during their experiments through Stanford Research Institute, which, by the way, worked with the CIA in the intelligence community, is that a coherent magnetic field, if you put two people in that coherent magnetic field, one of those people is far more likely to be able to access the thoughts and ideas of the other person in that coherent magnetic field. You take that person out of that coherent magnetic field, and it's less likely for that to be accessed. So that suggests, just like we were talking about earlier, again, at a substantive level, just thinking about it like a detective, that information has some kind of electromagnetic energetic property and our own bodies they're electromagnetic machines we have this thing called the heart that heart is a piezoelectric liquid crystal oscillator which basically is a fancy way of saying every time your heart beats it compresses the fluid that is your blood which has um, an electric charge to it and it radiates an electromagnetic pulse around your whole body and that same pulse is used to keep your cells healthy it's used to communicate immunological information to the whole of your body, and it extends 60 feet out from your body. So literally, we are like electromagnetic antennae that can send and receive information through something we've also talked about on the show, which is uh, entrainment or sympathetic vibratory physics. So, Yep, and our pineal glands in our forehead, also lots of piezoelectric crystals in our pineal glands. Um, and what I find also quite fascinating is that this phenomena doesn't seem to be just relegated to humans. 
it also seems to extend to animals and plants and almost all life itself. You were talking about um, the people in relationships and how they form this sort of uh, ESP connection because they're so close and they can have this connection between their thought processes. But there were studies done with animals and plants too. So I remember researching some studies where they connected some electrical instruments to plants and even this simple thought of wanting to burn the plant or wanting to cut it or destroy it would send electric charge. The plant would emit its own electromagnetic frequencies as if it was able to sense even the thoughts of the person and studies done with animals as well, where the owners would be out of the house at a coffee shop or the grocery store or something like that. And they would set a camera up, a video camera to watch the dog. And as soon as the owners made the decision to come home and leave the store they were at, the cameras would show the dogs get up, walk over, sit by the front door as if the dog had some sort of ESP connection itself or some sort of extra extrasensory per perception able to gather that humans on the way home. So yep. almost all life itself is able to tap into the information stream that is time space that is reality right and when it comes to our own human consciousness you know our consciousness is not stuck in our skull it extends out and if we entertain the idea that all points in time in time and space are connected in some way well then through the powers of our consciousness we should be able to tap into information wherever it might be in the cosmos and the idea of remote viewing is getting into a meditative state and trying to ascertain information about a specific point somewhere, anywhere, whether it be on this planet, whether it be on other planets, whether it be wherever, trying to view exactly what is at that location through remote viewing, through um, basically just shutting off your brain and then trying to sense, if you will, whatever is at that location. So it's it's fascinating yeah. stuff. It is. And uh, real quick, somebody, uh, I think it was Lulu, was talking about uh, the aura and morphic resonance and, you know, psychic fields. And these are all kind of different words to use to describe the thing we're talking about. So that's why, I, you know, I made a point to talk about um, the substance because you know, it, the, we have a lot of different words for talking about the same thing. How many different term words are there for apples in, in the human civilization? Like as far as languages, well, there's dozens probably, but it's there's only one apple. And one thing I wanted to show real quick is that we have things like this here. This is the Curlyune photography. And this is showing the bioelectric fields that life produces. And really all objects produce, but life in particular produces a coherent field. And because it's coherent, meaning it's organized, it can actually transmit information with things that are resonant with it. So, so yeah, I just wanted to show a little bit about that. Did you want to comment on anything about that? Uh, yeah. When it comes to morphic resonance, that was the term invented by Rupert Sheldrake. But just like you said, there's many, many different ways, many 
terms that scientists have come up with to describe, in essence, the same thing. So whether we're talking morphic resonance, whether we're talking, uh, what are some of the other scientists that have come up with some of the exact same ideas, but many have, and you could even say the aura or the bioelectric field, if you will, um, is discussing in effect somewhat of the same thing. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. All right. So I guess let's dive into some of the, uh, some of the articles, some of the tabs and information we have up here for you guys. I just wanted to show you and reiterate to you the idea that remote viewing is quite easy. It's possible. Every single person can do it if they simply apply themselves. This is a screenshot of a remote viewing exercise I did probably seven years ago. This was the first time I had ever tried doing a remote viewing exercise on my own. And there's plenty of websites out there where you can test your own remote viewing skills and practice. And this was a, uh, you know, I got an, I got an identifier. I got into that med- meditative space for a few minutes and tried to sense whatever it was, whatever the picture was going to come up as. And on the right here, you see the letters WPEO. That was the target identifier, and which is just arbitrary. We'll talk about that in a moment. And this was the photo I drew. And then on the left, that was the photo that came up. So, you know, I kind of got the shape of the sailboat there and a little bit of the water. Nice. It's yeah, it's it wasn't too bad. I, I was pretty proud of this one being one of the first exercises I'd ever done. And uh it's pretty neat. So this here is an example of any website you can go to. I think I just Googled remote viewing practice or remote viewing exercises or something like that. And uh I had to scroll a little bit because there are a lot of websites that try to get you to pay for their programs and all that sort of stuff, different institutes and groups where they want you to pay to do their remote viewing courses. But I ended up finding this one and, you know, they give you what's called a target identifier, which is arbitrary. It can be letters. It can be numbers. It's basically just, it has nothing to do with the photo or nothing to do with the location that you're trying to remote view. All it's trying to do is essentially just give you, um, give you a target, give you something to focus on to allow your senses to dissipate for lack of a better description there. So you get some random target identifier. You kind of just get into that meditative state, try to get all of the outside thoughts, all of the outside, um, all of the senses of your body, try to disassociate from all that and get into the uh, mental space of whatever it might be. So I don't know. Can I like click on the, Uh, It won't give me a photo or anything. But anyway, yeah, you can find these websites on your own. So moving on in this conversation, uh, let's now add in the idea. So for the past few shows here on Knowledge Based, we've been talking about the sun and the solar effects, solar effects on our planet, on our solar system, on us and all of that. But Justin, since this is from your website, I want you to take, uh, take this one here, talking about how ESP will be is connected to the sun basically Mm -hmm. yeah so uh so this is coming from a man named dr michael persinger he's the guy i mentioned earlier who worked a lot with ingo swan Uh, he also helped develop something called the god helmet 
which we'll talk about a little bit later. And basically it's, you know, it, it's leaning on a few points. One of those points is that because we're electromagnetic creatures and we have signal flow that is harmonic with other living things, which is basically just saying that the frequencies line up so that we can share information, then anything that we can share information with, we can, uh, can be thought of as a kind of like telepathic contact. So again, to, to rest on um, substantive discussion here, when I say telepathy, I don't necessarily mean that you're literally able to read a person's mind. I just mean that information can be transmitted from one source to another, whether that source is a person, your dog, um, you know, even things like harp, like uh, devices, or even cell phones uh, actually operate at a frequency that's um, messes with your body a little bit, although it's in a dissonant capacity. So this guy, Dr. Michael Persinger, he noticed something interesting. He was studying uh, this phenomenon. I forget what he referred to it as, but um, in the 1800s, they used to keep records of these weird and strange kind of paranormal events. And one of the things they used to keep records of is when people across vast distances would become aware of things simultaneously. So uh, I, call, I refer to that as simultaneous cognition. So think about it like this. You're, this is the 1800s, mind you. So it's not like you can just pick up a cell phone and call somebody. If you're living in Philadelphia and your son or daughter is living in Boston, it will take like three weeks to go see that person. And so sometimes people would have all sorts of life events happen, like, you know, your son or daughter is of age, they're married, they go to have a kid, and they, uh, your, the mother-in-law will have a dream that the son or daughter had a child or is about to have a child, and she'll send a letter or just um, have an experience of the son or daughter contacting her. Mind you, again, it takes like three weeks a month for a letter to get from one place to another, and that mother will send the letter back saying, hey, it's really you know awesome using modern parlance, of course. It's really awesome that you're having a baby. I had a dream the very night that you say that you discovered that you're having this child that you were gonna have a baby. So there's there was a substantial record of these kind of things enough for Dr. Michael Persinger to, to conduct a study on them. And what he noticed was that when he compared the rates of spontaneous cognition. So meaning how frequent is this happening? And you can plot that out across time. And you take that and you cross-reference it against solar cycles, particularly the uh, perturbations of the geomagnetic field, or simply put, is the geomagnetic field in a kind of calm place, or is the geomagnetic field in a state where it's fluctuating a lot? Um, when you have a lot of fluctuations, then you have less of these spontaneous cognition events. So this led him to, and this is just one little piece from the study that he talked about in this video I saw. Um, he was addressing a, a panel at Stanford. So this is, like I get, said, this isn't some guy in his garage. This is, you know, highly funded, CIA-led, massive institute for researching these kind of things. And what he said is that all of this data points to the fact that, our, first of all, our brain and our bodies are coherent with the geomagnetic field. The Schumann residences are kind of yardstick, a way of measuring that. So in other words, the Schumann residences of 7.83 hertz, our, our hearts and, and brains tend to synchronize with that frequency, um, and so does the geomagnetic field. And when that, that resonance, or when we're all in tune with each other, you get more of these spontaneous cognition events. And he proposed that this suggests that the geomagnetic field is itself a kind of giant record 
for every thought that a human being or even any living organism that's coherent with that has ever thought. And that's why he talks about the telepathy will be enabled by Earth's magnetic field on a global scale. Yeah, when, this, when the, the big one, when the big solar flare pops off in a few decades, man, I'm wondering if we'll all go on a spontaneous DMT trip and then get our, <laughs> get our junk DNA activated and all of a sudden become tele telepathic or something like that. Right. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding, but I hope so. Uh, while you were talking there, I searched real quick um, and found simultaneous invention. So mm, what, what did mm. you call it? Uh, cognition, simultaneous cognition. Simultaneous cognition. Okay. I, I searched simultaneous cognition and I found just some scientific studies on mental acuity and whatnot. That, that's not what I was looking for. So I typed in simultaneous invention and I did find quite a few articles of examples throughout history of people around the world discovering things at the same time. This article I found only goes back to the 1600s. I would like to find research on ancient peoples. Mm. Like, you know, you have pyramids and certain specific architecture and things like that, that somehow sprung up in Central America and Egypt and all these other places. Yeah, you could explain that with something like maybe extraterrestrial contact with humans of the earth or what have you. But there's also, if uh, you know, either or and or both explanations, one being simultaneous invention of um, people all around the world tapping into the information field at the same time. But anyway, this list goes back to the 1600s. It says Isaac Newton and Gottfried Leibniz both discover calculus in the 1600s, somewhat mm. at the same time in the 1770s. Carl Scheel and Joseph Priestley both discovered oxygen. Uh, in the 1800s, Charles Darwin and Alfred Wallace both described natural selection. In 1839, Louis Daguerre and Henry Fox Talbot invent the first photographic methods. 1869, some French person I can't name, and Charles Croce present the earliest workable methods of color photography on the same day. So wow. there, seem, there seem to be numerous examples, and that's just over the recent few centuries. But like I said, I would like research going back a few millennia on this subject. Um, fascinating stuff, indeed. And in this article, you listed uh, solar revolution, mm -hmm. which if anybody out there watching this hasn't seen that documentary, I would highly suggest it came out it came out in mid-2012. So it was right before the Mayan 2012 thing. Yep. So it's a little older by information standards with you know the internet and how fast things progress these days. But it's still a fascinating documentary on that idea that, you know, there's this information field surrounding everything, including our planet and our brains can tap into that and the sun, the sun's energetic fields influence our consciousness and influence our DNA. Solar Revolution's fascinating documentary. Yeah, definitely. I, I would love to see it again. I haven't seen it in like eight years or something like that, but I saw it before I knew about the whole like solar shift thing. I'd really be curious to see it now. Nice. Yeah, it's a bummer. I think I think Gaia bought the rights to it. So now you have to Oh, that man. might be the only way to uh, watch it is subscribe to Gaia, which I don't want to do. But you have it linked here. Let me bring it up real quick. Yeah, I think it's to the like movie page itself that I haven't linked. 
Oh, you might be able to just rent it direct from their website. But anyway, um, good good doc. You can probably find it for free somewhere, BitChute, YouTube or something. Right. Cool. So um, that aside, let's dive into, let's start talking about Project Stargate for a few minutes and then do our uh, mid-show break. So Project Stargate. Uh, this was the CIA's, you mentioned it, you were talking about Stanford working with the CIA on remote being projects, and that's that's Project Stargate. So just a few weeks ago on the Sean Ryan podcast, which Sean Ryan, I think he's a good dude. I really like his podcast. He does some really awesome shows. Um, he keeps a little, little mainstream though. He does get into the woo stuff. So he talks about UFOs and remote viewing and this sort of stuff on his podcast, but he has mainstreamy kind of people on some people I question sometimes but anyway a few weeks ago Joe McMonagle if I'm getting his name right I suck with pronunciations CIA's <laughs> Project Stargate Joe McMonagle is a former U.S. Army Chief Warrant Officer and was among the first remote viewers to be recruited into the Stargate project so diving into the Stargate project here, nice. here's the thing though Here's what I wonder about Project Stargate. Mm -hmm. Stargate's kind of a weird name to call a remote viewing project. I yeah. wonder if there were other Project Stargates in the Black Projects and they were trying to cover up, like, like you know, Stargate yeah. SG-1, right? And exactly. Yeah. Shows like that. I'm wondering if they called the remote viewing work Project Stargate as a cover so they could hide. Because the military industrial complex does this all the time. They'll name two different projects the same thing so to give themselves plausible deniability, whereas to hide the deeper, darker project, if anybody asks about it, they'll go, oh, yeah, it's this one over here that's not, that's not a secret, and they can have some sort of a you know, red herring for misdirection. But <laughs> I've, always, yeah, I've always wondered if there's another project, Stargate, somewhere, and if they called this one Stargate 2 cover-up. Mm -hmm. maybe something else but anyway this project stargate uh secret u.s army unit established in 1978 fort meade by the dia and by sri international sri is the stanford research institute so that's yeah. the california contractor that was uh working on this through stanford and that's that's where hal putoff comes in and ingo swan and a bunch of others who were connected to the CIA and Stanford back in the 70s. Um, what else we have here? Yeah. A anything you want to discuss? Um, well, they did a bunch of work. I mean, there's keep in mind that while this was going on, this was this was, in my opinion, the public program that I think for the reason you mentioned is probably accurate. This It's kind of designed to act as like a red herring. Prior to this, you have things like um, uh, MK Ultra, and then before the intelligence services even began, you had all sorts of "quote unquote" woo-woo research happening under the guise of spiritualism and and you know these kind of things. So people have been studying what we ro loosely refer to as psychic phenomenon for a really long time. Uh, if you guys remember during the episodes where we covered the Arantia book, uh, the people who brought that material forward were themselves psychic researchers. They were a bunch of psychologists who noticed all these strange things about, you know, 
human beings and we, the way we think and our psychology and their studies. And they were doing all sorts of research on this kind of stuff. So, so these programs, like you said, there's some, there's a kind of like a dual aspect. And then there's the, the, the Chinese and the Soviets were also doing their own psychic research. And from what I've heard, uh, the Chinese in particular were way ahead of us, at least the Stargate program, the official Stargate program. Uh, same with the Soviet uh, psychic spy program, I think they called it. So, um, so yeah, really interesting. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's dive more into Project Stargate and then talk about that God helmet in a few moments because we've got some uh, wonderful sponsors to shout out here real quick. And we'll get to it. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm here to tell you about my new product from my pillow. Towels that actually work. Watch this absorbency test. Here's another towel that we randomly went out and bought. Here's one of my towels with the nice design. I don't know if you can see this, but you could line a swimming pool with this. I mean, this is crazy. Get rid of it. Towels that actually work. Life is unpredictable. If we've learned anything these last four years, it's that. And while we can't possibly predict everything that might be thrown at us, we can prepare for it. Introducing two new emergency kits from the Wellness Company. The first aid emergency kit for everything from sports activities to camping trips, compact and convenient. This kit contains critical prescription medications and supplies that everyone should have on hand. The travel emergency kit is specifically designed for life on the go. Compact, lightweight, and loaded with essentials for any adventure, whether it's a road trip, a hike, or just the unpredictability of daily life, you'll be ready. Next level readiness is at your fingertips with emergency kits from the Wellness Company. Stay one step ahead to have peace of mind for the unpredictable. Visit badlandsmedia.tv forward slash TWC and use promo code BADLANDS for an exclusive 10% discount. That's badlandsmedia.tv forward slash TWC, promo code BADLANDS. All right, man, let's keep going. Uh, if you want more information on Project Stargate, there's a ton of stuff that came out via FOIA. And you can just go to CIA.gov and search around or search via online search engine. Um, even has a suggested remote viewing training procedure. Tons of other stuff that were declassified like 25 years ago, a few decades ago. Which, you know, on one hand, if the government allowed this to be declassified, then you got to wonder, what are they keeping classified? What are they doing now? Why did oh, they yeah. allow this to the public? All that sort of stuff. So a lot of questions I have on it. And uh, let's get now into talking a bit about Ingo Swan. Um, you probably know more about this subject than I do, Justin. So I'll let you take it from here. Okay, so um, Ingo Swan is one of the most famous uh, remote viewers out there. Like we were talking about earlier, he worked a lot with like the, Dr. Michael Persinger. Um, he worked with Stanford Research Institute. Um, there's all sorts of conspiracy theories about who he really was. Was he work good, good guy, bad guy, that kind of thing. But um, if the data that is in the official record is valid, then it suggests that this guy had a real talent for remote viewing. Um, and I, I talked a little bit about one of the experiments about using a coherent magnetic field. He was the one that was participating in that. But basically what he could do 
is not only could he remote view, you know, without a source. So in other words, they could just give him the random numbers that you were showing people, which the, the reason the random numbers are there are just to kind of negate any possibility of there being a hint or kind of giveaway as to what the thing that you're trying to remote view is through the random numbers. And he could use the, that random signifier and with incredible accuracy in many cases, get really good information about, you know, the things that they were trying to find out. Now, what's interesting is, um, I believe it was in GoSwan, I'm a, a little rusty on some of this information, but they they were so, they were able to develop such good techniques for remote viewing and ingo like was kind of the head guy around all this that they also need they started to get really worried like okay well you know if this guy can you know remote view and see as you're seeing here that you know some of his the real men in black you know was, was he what was he remote viewing is he remote viewing stuff on mars was he remote viewing stuff in area 51 was your remote viewing whether or not there's gold inside Fort Knox? So, you know, there's all sorts of things that officialdom through national security justification doesn't want people to know about. So if this guy can do that, what the heck are our enemies doing across the world in China and the Soviet Union, things like this? And so I think he was part of a program that developed, uh, I, I forget the original or official term, but it's something like psychic defenses or psychic um uh, shielding techniques. So through a similar technique as remote viewing, they can actually do the opposite, which is they can make it difficult for a person trying to view something uh, to see the object, like kind of like a psychic barrier. And even somebody who can use their own psychic energy to like mess with the people. So imagine if you're trying to remote view Area 51, well, they got all these like psychic defenders, quote unquote, in watchtowers around the area through some means able to determine that people are trying to remote view something, they can use their abilities to remote view to figure out where you are. And then once they identify who you are and where you are, they can start to mess with your head and do other things. Either they can send, you know, men in black to your location and be like, hey, you really should stop doing that. Or they can even mess with your head in some capacity. Um, and he participated in some of that stuff from what I understand. Psychic defender. I want that on my resume. I know. <laughs> Psychic defender. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. And it looks like yep. um just kind of perusing this article in Ingo Swan here. Allegedly, he was able to remote view uh rings on Jupiter before Voyager spacecraft went out there and confirmed confirmed rings on Jupiter. So Yep. Interesting stuff about Ingo Swan. Yeah, I, I've got questions for him. There's allegations that he was connected to foreign intel agencies like Mossad and all that. But there seems to be something to the work he was doing for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I've heard that he's a part of some kind of intelligence agency. And I mean, to take it really far out there, uh, there's the whole like SRA subject, so ritual abuse. Um, I know somebody personally who is uh, part of a dynastic incest family. So meaning his father diddled him, his father's father diddled his father. And that's what a dynastic incest family is. So it's like, it's kind of like a family, weird, crazy, 
you know, freaky family tradition. And for whatever reason, that when you experience those things, it makes the genetic line more susceptible to these kind of like psychic abilities. At least that's what I've heard. And um, so, yeah, supposedly if you're recruited for the program, you know, they kind of want to know that stuff about you. So, you know, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but fun fact. So what does like the trauma unlock some sort of weird anyway um maybe a conversation for another time sure. but here's a here's another little tidbit about project stargate here cia files revealed decades of u.s intel on iran came from hundreds of cia psychics <laughs> psychic program went on for 20 years under 10 different code names employing 227 psychics for over twenty six thousand telepathic forays so what that's like a hundred each they're doing. Um, mm -hmm. Looks like the CIA declassified this about eight years ago, seven or eight years ago. Talking about how the CIA employed a few hundred people to conduct uh, remote viewing programs to get intel on Iran. So yeah, man, you got to wonder what, if they continued this, it's likely they did and what they're doing now with it all. It's curious. Yep. Yeah, really crazy. Apparently, uh, this is one of the legends anyway. John D, who is the original 007, um, he, I'm pretty sure he either headed or started MI5 back in like the 1500s. Um, they were into all sorts of crazy occult stuff back then. He worked with this guy named uh, Edward Kelly. Yeah, Edward Kelly. Uh, who apparently through drying techniques were trying to contact angels. And the story goes that, this, I'm getting this from a man named uh, Dan Winter, who's crazy smart about all sorts of stuff. Um, and he says that they were able to, so sophisticated and, and good at what they were doing, they were actually able to transmit intelligence messages across vast distances using this kind of like, you know, psychic spy technology back then. And that was part of the reason that the English defeated the Spanish in the Battle of, uh, I forget, Armada or something like that in the, uh, the English Channel. So interesting stuff. All right. Uh, for our last article, why don't you start diving into this? Because this is, uh, you know more a lot more about this than I do. The God Helmet with yeah. Persinger that you were talking this is about. This really interesting. You can find... Um, videos if you search for god helmet or corinne helmet which is another name for it, the original name of it on youtube at least they had back in the day they had this stuff you can find people who are like actually wearing the god helmet and having it being used on them and if memory serves um so what it would do is they'd have different magnets with certain special calibration that would be pointed at certain parts of your midbrain so your midbrain that's like the hippocampus the amygdala um places like that, which are interestingly in charge or used in memory recall, as well as the regulation of your central nervous system, which if you know anything about the bioelectrics of the human body, your central nervous system is like the electrical grid of your body. So it's really interesting that, you know, it's targeting these magnetic fields. And I believe it was the left amygdala. So if you shot a coherent magnetic field using the God helmet, in the left side of your brain, in the left amygdala, you would experience that something that Dr. Michael Persinger called a visitor experience. 
And it would literally seem like there's this disembodied personality in the room with you. And it would be so intense that some people, depending on, you know, their spiritual background and how they were raised with respect to, you know, their beliefs, would either think that like the spirit of Jesus was in front of them. They would think that like Buddha or Krishna were in front of them and be filled with like a kind of like deep love or reverence for these kind of things. Now, what's interesting is if you did it on the other side, on the right-hand side, it had like completely different effects. Unfortunately, I can't remember exactly what those effects were, but I'm pretty sure where there's more negative, like, you know, you'd have like a, a strange disembodied feeling that you'd get. So, you know, one of the interesting things about the God Helm, and this was developed, gosh, I think it was like in the 80s at some point. So think about this. Let me just lay out a few points here. You've got a device through electromagnetic and magnetic fields that can affect your brain at a very subtle level and cause you to experience all sorts of different things like effectively like a kind of schizophrenia moment, right? Like if I if you had this helmet on and you didn't know it and I flipped it on, you would seem like some being had just, you know, appeared in front of you yet you couldn't see them. And you might be starting to be filled with all sorts of feelings. Now, uh, think about that and then think about the things like um the Havana syndrome, where you have intelligence assets back in, I forget when the Havana syndrome event happened, but you had these intelligence. It was only like 10 years ago, wasn't it in Cuba? Yeah, exactly. It was not that long ago. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, unfortunately, I can't remember exactly what the symptoms of what they experienced. And I think there was a lot of secrecy around this. I'm not sure that they ever really talked about the specifics, but these people who were victims of this Havana syndrome would feel really weird strange feelings all right so we we have that proven that a certain device with coherent magnetic fields can affect you at a very deep level now think about all these you know devices we got these cell phones that we're walking around with pressing an electromagnetic device to your head how easy would it be for them to put in a certain a piece of technology in these devices to trigger these kind of effects and then think about what happens if you're taking a certain um, drug that has certain has a certain chemical signature that can maybe even enhance and magnify that effect? Is it possible that you can, through a certain type of targeted cell, cell phone and drug interaction, cause people to hear voices, cause people to think that they're Jesus, cause people to uh, you know want to go shoot up a school and things like this? So, you know, just think about the possibilities of the technology here. And the God helmet is one of these proven things. It's a really good point because, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, cell phones don't affect your brain. There's no link between cancer. There's no link between anything. Well, no, eh, wrong. That's not true at all. We know for a fact that certain devices can affect you. It's such a deep level that you think you're having a religious experience. The reason they call it the God helmet is because people would reliably feel like they're having some kind of religious experience. So arguably, you can get through technology, somebody who experienced the most potent possible experience you could ever have, which is meeting God. So, you know, is that maybe prove that we could do all sorts of other things to people through these devices and technology? I think so. Yeah, not just cell phones, but Gwen Towers, 5G Towers, targeted satellites too. Yep. If they're going to use some sort of directed energy, it's... And then on a mass scale, not just individual scale, but there's so many explanations for the insane rise in insanity, schizophrenia all over the place. Of course, food, 
heavy mm-hmm. metal injections, vaccines, all sorts of garbage like that. But the electro smog we're waiting in every single day, absolute explanation for a lot of stuff. It's yeah, it's interesting. Um, you want to talk about this 2007 lecture from Persinger too? Yeah. Yeah. Let me uh, make my screen a little bigger so I can try to read it. Um, okay. So Dr. Michael Persinger in 2007, talk he gave at Laurentian, Laurentian University presented research and theorems that suggest the human mind is capable of interfacing excuse me, with the Earth's magnetic field. So this is kind of touching on a little bit of the stuff that we talked about earlier, global telepathy. And in doing so, can access other minds and the data therein. He also suggested some 10 years ago that the introduction of the artificial EM signals that uh, operate in the frequency ranges of the brain have greatly affected the metaphysical phenomenon, saying that increased usage of these devices seems to limit or reduce paranormal activity. So we're talking about just like what you were mentioning, these Gwen Towers, cell phone towers, even radar machines, all sorts of stuff, all the way up to like heart. In short, humanity's ignorance of subtle energy and information possesses processes may have accidentally or intentionally caused a severe degradation of potential. People born after the year 2000 are being entrained, so they're talking about sympathetic vibratory physics here, with electromagnetic fields that may adversely affect their capacity to tap into metaphysical realms of consciousness. So in other words, what we're hinting at here is that you're, you are the, in a lot of ways, the product of your environment. If you, you give, for example, DHA, which is one of the, the compounds, uh, algae oil, which is one of the amazing products that Ascent Nutrition uh, puts out there, that is essential for building healthy um, uh, central nervous system, a healthy brain. And if you're pregnant and you consume healthy amounts of DHA, they have done studies where it'll drastically improve your brain, your not only your brain health as the pregnant mother, but the health and brain activity of your child. You can give that to kids when they're growing up and it'll literally help them learn better and retain their information better. So what does that prove? Well, it proves that the environment greatly affects how your body is made and how your brain is going to operate. So what happens when we are exposed to massive quantities of electromagnetic energy? We live in a power grid that runs off of 60 hertz that is dissonant with our body's natural energy systems. We have cell phones that are operating at the same level as the the cell signals that your cell like cell is in like cellular you know the things that are in your body that your skin and muscles and organs are made out of those are those signals those very subtle signals are being influenced by cell phone and wi-fi technology so we have people potentially being you know that are growing up now because of all of this that might be almost like a kind of different human in the sense that they're they're not experiencing the same type of electromagnetic energy field that they did, you know, back in the 80s or even way back, like back before we had electrical grids at all. So, um, so yeah, there you go. They, in doing these remote viewing programs, most of them look like they were done at Fort Meade. They had to have had some sort of Faraday cage or some sort of shielding room that they brought these people into to conduct their remote viewing exercises because I, I can't imagine being in that giant building right in a on an army base 
with all all of that electro smog around I, I can't imagine they had to have had some sort of shield in uh, you know they do i mean i'm pretty sure in these skiffs don't they have some kind of like faraday cage uh that they put around for cell phones and things like that yeah yeah they do in skiffs but you know i also wonder that that could inhibit their ability to sense outside of the room as well if they're shielding it both from in and out em waves so they're, they're right. got to be doing something but at the end of the day moral of the story is touch grass friends <laughs> right. go outside get your barefoot on grass get the electrons from the earth uh, if you live in the city or in the suburbs take a vacation every so often go camping go swim in a lake or swim in a stream or something like that just get away from the city and connect back with uh with mother nature connect back with god away from the concrete jun jungle oh my god yeah yeah I, I mean i've only spent a few I, uh, one time i went to see a fish concert in new york city and i was so i was there for like five days or something like that and oh my god i could like feel my spirit like yearning for green pastures and things like this like i can only imagine living there for long periods of time so yeah uh, yeah all right, man, you want to, uh, you got anything else to say? I guess we can bring up the chat and talk for a few minutes. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, lots of cool things happening in the chat. So here we go. Uh, let's see if we can find some stuff. I will say, um, if you want to know more about entrainment, entrainment's a really cool thing. I think we did an episode on it back in the day. Um, but you can also look up something called cymatics. So C Y M. A-T-I-C-S, I believe. And you can see like kind of the general principle at work. Um, Chat says somebody's in SoCal about 45 minutes from the beach. The ocean is a huge, is a wonderful place to ground yourself and get, get in touch with Mother Nature because of all the uh, ions that naturally flow from the ocean, from the salt water. So... Yeah. The ocean is definitely something I miss. All the, the free ions, I think negatively charged ions that come from the ocean. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And there's things called uh, geopathogenic zones. So you got to be careful living around running water or certain like ley lines because depending on how the energy is flowing, it can actually cause like really nasty health effects. And there's a bunch of... Um, information going back like thousands of years of uh us being aware of these things and you know it can be as simple as like there was one example in this uh article i read so there's two teachers in a classroom one is on one end of the room one is on the other this teacher moves in really healthy guy like in his 30s and from day one his health starts like really tanking he ends up getting cancer almost dies also has to go through the whole chemo and radiation thing and somehow they've discovered this idea of geopathogenic zones. They move his desk, or sorry, they have somebody come in with a divining rod. So there's like two rods that they used to use to find water. And they, the person told them to move the desk like three feet. They move the desk three feet, all his health problems disappeared. You so. said geopathogenic zones? Yeah, geopathogenic zones, yeah. I had never actually heard of that before. And I just did a quick search and... Uh... There's even PubMed articles about this and 
Wikipedia pages for articles. I'm going to check this out. That's interesting. Yeah, it's fascinating. Geopathology is a theory that links the Earth's inherent radiation with the health of humans, plants, and animals. Neat. Oh, yeah. Oh, there was somebody in the chat earlier commenting on my epic crazy beard right now, which it is, by the way. It's It needs a trim so bad. Um, <laughs> but there was, I'm sure you've heard about this, or maybe you haven't, The uh, how there were these um, Indians, so these Native Americans that the CIA and the, the military wanted to use because they were like crazy good trackers, could do all sorts of really amazing things that had potential military applications. And they almost all of them had long hair. And the legend goes that when they got um, recruited into the military, they had their hair shaved. And when that happened, they almost all lost their ability to perform these abilities. And the idea is that your, your hair acts as like an antenna for your bioelectric field, which also acts as a somehow like a receiver for the quote unquote telepathic or remote viewing information around you, something like that. I've been growing out my hair, man, and I don't I don't feel no no much smarter. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel like I got no more abilities. Keep it going. <laughs> Chat says yeah, they're scared of the ocean. They prefer lakes. Uh mountains would definitely mm. suggest mountains as well, because in that pyramidal shape, it's kind of like a natural torsion accumulator, somewhat like a man-made pyramid in Egypt or or the Mayan temples or like South America, but Mountains being in that pyramidal shape act as torsion, torsion field amplifiers, if you will. Um, yes. So definitely yeah. get out in the mountains. Uh, Lulu here says, I'm hypersensitive and an empath became strong after I was in a car accident, was hit by a drunk driver. It was horrible at times, I can imagine. Yeah, my wife is crazy sensitive to EM fields. Like if she uses her laptop too much, she'll she'll get like kind of nauseous and sick. Um, so it seems like some people, for whatever reason, are more um, uh, sensitive. And my, I actually, if I'm not careful when I go to type anything, like I'm writing up an article or write, working on my book, um, my hands, my I get like a kind of temporary carpal tunnel. And so I was, I forget where I saw this, but uh, the idea is if you use those like gloves with the fingertips cut off, you literally create like a shield and I'm like, all right, let me try that. It works so well. I like never have carpal tunnel issues now because I wear those gloves whenever I use my computer. So nice. Uh, oh, NDE. Uh, I had a whole I had the whole NDE thing. Another time I jumped out of my body because I forgot to be human. You know, it's funny. Uh, Dan Winter says that there's a lot of data from hospitals of when people are dying, their moments of death, their brain and their heart experience extreme coherence, like way more than normal. And they've done studies to show that the more brain and heart coherence you have, you get all sorts of really amazing effects. And one of them is like, you know, kind of like high that comes from that. And if you go through a death experience, then it's kind of like you retune your body back to like accessing this data from the realm. And, it, you know, from an electromagnetic perspective, even like a um, RS theory perspective, 
Larson theory stuff, once you're retuned, then you come back. So meaning you have an NDE, it would make sense that you can tap into these kind of, you know, on the other side of the veil things and that it even affects you for years afterwards. Interesting comment here just came in. What do you think about wearing Shungite while remote viewing? I'm new three years into remote viewing and find it helps me. Maybe just right. psychosomatic. Um, I mean, maybe, but maybe not. I have Shungite products on one of my websites and um, kind of like you just said, Justin, you, you were wearing gloves that help your carpal tunnel as if it was mm -hmm. shielding you from the EM waves. And uh, I have a... I have a little brick of shungite that um, people get and they put on their phones. And I've had a lot of people tell me that their hands don't hurt anymore after putting the shungite, my shungite product on their phones. So there could definitely be something to shungite assisting your remote viewing. I would say do some trials, do some self experiments and do some remote viewing sessions with the shungite, do some without and then compare. Um, I haven't looked into it specifically on the internet, but that could definitely be something that's out there. Might be tough to find any information on Shungite remote viewing, given how esoteric those things kind of are uh, right. individually. So together it'd be even more esoteric, but yeah, check it out. You know, I, I would be interested to see remote viewing strength, either amplified or, or lessened via, um, psilocybin microdosing mm. that's a really good question yeah no kidding well they say supposedly if you um when you do a microdose if you like imbue the dose with an intention where you're like i want to do this or i want to feel a certain feeling that it'll actually kind of work i mean i never really got it to work for me but some people say they swear by it so pretty interesting yeah that might be I might have to do some of my own self-experiments with that. Yeah. Remote view. You'd really have to keep the dose quite small, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I experiment a little bit with microdosing. It, it Not only does it feel really good, but it has a really powerful, like, kind of reset effect, I found, you know, for my mental patterns and stuff like that. Oh yeah, I've, I've microdosed psilocybin before, but I mean, if you're actually going to get into a remote viewing space, oh, do, some, do some training. Um, yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Yeah, my, this is Pink Pearl V says, uh, that's why they used to cut open sheep when they move to a new pasture to see if their organs uh, flip and, and they would sense the zones that way. So yeah, the, apparently the Romans used to, when they wanted to build a new building or city or something like that, they'd have sheep hang out in the area and then they'd carefully select a couple sheep, kill them, look, look at their organs. And if they had lesions, then they knew that that might be a place where pathogenic zones were. Poor sheepers. Like what if they cut one open and it was fine? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you just done sacrifice the poor little sheep. Yeah, well, they were Romans, so, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Chat says they're using microdosing for PTSD and military folks. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, there's actually quite a few nonprofit foundations being started 
using a variety of psychedelic substances to heal PTSD in veterans. There's a, oh, there's a foundation down in Mexico, I think, that uses Ibogaine. Mm. And uh, a lot, uh, there's quite a few military veterans that go down there, especially combat veterans from special forces. And they've had a lot of help from Ibogaine and from psilocybin too. And a lot of these things, because these uh, psychedelic substances, they can, they can rewire, they can help to turn back on neurons and rewire neurons in the brain. It's, it's quite fascinating. You know, it's likely a reason that the powers that be tried to ridicule these plants and these mushrooms as being hippy dippy, dumb, crazy, demonic, all kinds of different stuff. Um, which you can definitely screw yourself up messing around with these uh, psychedelics, but they have a lot of medicinal, physical, emotional, spiritual benefits too, if done properly. Keywords there properly. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, lots of crazy benefits. Comment says you tried meditation tapes a long time ago called Hemisync from the Monroe Institute. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Monroe Institute still exists. Um, you can induce out of body experiences with them. That's interesting. Do you remember the price you paid for those hemisync tapes? And, uh, what was the other question I was going to ask? I forget, but, um, yeah, if you could comment a little more about that, cause I've heard of those hemisync tapes before I've never tried them or purchased them or anything, but I'd be interested with some of your uh, some of your information on that, and the the guy that started the Monroe Institute, I think was I think that was Joe McGonagall that we talked about earlier, who was uh, working on Project Stargate, one of their first remote viewers. I think he went to start the Monroe Institute after Project Stargate, and uh, that's a trip. I used to live literally five minutes away from the Monroe Institute, Monroe Institute. And uh, American Hypnotist, he writes for the Badlands Substack. He uh, he actually had one of those hemisync devices. I never got a chance to try it, but he said it had like a crazy effect and it would work on all sorts of different ways. So, microdose nicotine. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, guys. So we got to head out because the next show on Badlands is about to get started. Um, close in feed. I like it. We can see each one of your each one of your beard hairs there. Yeah, right. <laughs> your wonderful face antenna. That's right. Uh, yeah. All right, guys. Appreciate you for tuning in. Super inter interesting conversation on remote viewing, geopathogenic zones. I'll have to check that one out. Um, mm -hmm. fun show, fun show. And I'm glad yeah. you're feeling better, Justin. Yes, me too. For those who are asking, I feel much better still recovering, but every day gets better and better. So I really appreciate all the love, support, prayers, all that good stuff. Awesome. Well, cool, man. Appreciate all you guys for tuning in. We will see you next week. Knowledge base Thursday night. Take care, everybody. Take care, everybody. Peace.
Welcome to the Badlands Media Shop, where we've partnered with Patriot companies to offer products for just about every category of life. Browse the virtual shopping aisles and rest assured knowing that your purchases align with your values. Shop with peace of mind, avoiding woke companies with woke principles while supporting your favorite podcasters. Whether you're shopping for everyday household items or a unique gift for that special someone, skip the big box store, head over to Badlands Shop first and support a Patriot business and Badlands with every purchase. From boomerangs, yes, those boomerangs, to gun holsters, from children's books to pet food, we have just about everything, and we're just getting started. Thank you, Badlanders, for your continued support and patriotism. We couldn't do this without you. That's badlandsmedia.tv forward slash shop. Thank you so much for joining us, and don't forget to hit the thumbs up on this video. And a special thank you to all of our advertising partners. Please remember to shift your dollars to support those businesses that support Badlands Media.